1: It was a case of India bringing it home on the ranchy Dust Bowl as Ben, Stokes and Brenda McCullum were served a first series defeat since taking charge of the England test team almost two years ago. Does this mean that the revolution is over? Are the Baz Ballers now Baz Beans? There's still one more test to play, of course, and the opportunity to make the scoreline look a bit more respectable. Maybe a trip to Dharamsala up in the foothills of the Himalayas is the place for Stokes and co to find themselves again. To discuss enlightenment, mortality, and any other matters spiritual that they may want to bring up, I'm joined today by ESPN Quick Info UK editor, Andrew Miller, and via some of the ropiest Wi-Fi in Ranchi, Vitushan Hantaraja. Let's hope it holds together against all expectations, rather like the surface at the JSCA Stadium did.
0: Very good. <laughs> hello,
1: <laughs> hello, gents. Um, one more for you, uh, Miller. The fourth test was a roller coaster, but England's "scream if you want to go faster" mentality seemed to desert them at the crucial moment. Discuss.
0: Yeah, yeah, it did, didn't it? I mean, you know, the, the, we'll get into the weeds of has Basball been beaten, bloody blah. But you know, fundamentally, Basball is a mindset. We, I think, well, that's the one thing everyone can agree about with Basball, and the mindset was that um, we will believe that we can believe we can win in any conditions. And you just sense, I certainly sense from the way that Ben Stokes was speaking at the end there, saying it was just impossible to play India's spinners on that pitch. I just sense England didn't believe anymore. As simple as that. They they suddenly realized they, they were up against it to a degree that even they could not overcome. And yeah, as you say, the you know, the, the way in which they went about, particularly that second innings, um, you know, dribbling along to 145 in 53 overs, is precisely the sort of going nowhere approach that has got them nowhere on previous tours of India. And so, you know, for all that um, taking on the spinners would have been a, a tough, tough ask. I think we have seen evidence of the way that England have gone about in the past, that taking on the spinners and getting bowled out for 200 in 30 overs, or 40 or whatever it would have been, would have been preferable to poking around and, and dying in a ditch, which they did. Because as we saw, when India were 120 for five in reply, if those extra 50 runs, uh, and obviously there's a lot, so Ju- Juve durrell has got a lot of credit to take for, for the reason that the, the lead wasn't bigger. But fundamentally, if England had got a, a, a lead of a 2.20, say, uh, on that pitch, it might have might have been enough. Genuinely, it might have been enough. And so, yeah, I felt it did. they did lose sight of their essence at key moments. And a lot of that is clearly down to the talents and the expertise of India's players but a lot of that, I think, was it was England themselves just, just blinking. Uh, and that, I suppose, is the one thing they've not had to do previously in the Bazball era.
1: Um, a failure to Bazball, then, rather than a failure of Bazball. I mean, Vish, um, Stokes didn't seem to want to sort of confront that issue in, in some of his post-match um, questioning. Uh, I mean, I think you wrote about the kind of, Lack of ruthlessness and uh, something they may come to re- to reflect on. The frustration seems to be that this was uh, England have let a few good positions slip, but this really looked like a game that they were nailed on to win at a sort of halfway or, or two after two days of the four, certainly.
2: Yeah, definitely, and well, you know, even after the toss, given how things have gone <laughs> this series and what they expected of the pitch as well. Um, yeah, they just. It, it's funny you say that because I think Ben Stokes. Um, you know not having much truck with the idea that they weren't um, ruthless enough were basically protecting his players because McCullum you know we spoke to McCullum today the day after the test and you know it really did seem from McCullum's words that this needs to be the start of a different this this is the start of 2.0 basically because they've missed chances to beat australia they've missed chances to keep this live going this series live going into um and they're going to regret, regret it, you know, going forward. And a lot of these players aren't necessarily going to get another chance to to do either of those things. Um, so it was something that McCullum clearly, you know, was quite clear on the fact that they've been in these positions now and not come through, and their next step is getting through them. And that's something that they actually have to address. You know, he said 18 months ago, which was obviously, you know, before, just before him and um, Stokes came together, that England were ever getting into these positions. And that's true to an extent. Um, and now having got in them, you know, he is a winner, isn't he? It, ben Stokes, Brendan mccullum they are winners. And they. this, I think this is the first time, well, it is quite well, literally the first time that they've had to, I suppose, consider this kind of defeat, consider the fact that, you know, they're playing for pride next week. Um, and they don't like it very much. And I think the important thing is that the other players who done good things in the last 18 months see those two and realize that yeah okay they're not happy and and actually i'm not happy this is fun but this bit of it isn't fun and making it fun again is by winning
1: yeah stokes um has has made quite a thing in his captaincy of um you know saying that the opposition are are entitled to play better um uh, Winning and losing isn't everything. Um, I think this time around he sort of settled on you know, the cricket. cricket's a game of skill and, and their skill is better than our skill. Um, and certainly when that third innings um, is weighed up. I mean, are we, I mean, are we right to sort of expect that um, the, the public acceptance that it's only a game um, is exceeded within the dressing room by the private will to win?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, again, this is, this is part of, the part, of, I suppose, the image problem that basball has given itself, just because England, I think, have just been too lax in key moments. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've, we've raised our eyebrows at the approach that England have taken uh, all throughout their success, most particularly, obviously, uh, the, the, the two losses they had, one in Wellington, when obviously they, they blew, a, blew an absolute shoe-in victory, forced the follow-on, get turned over by one run. And then laugh about it at the end. I mean, James Anderson leaving the pitch giggling. Essentially, I mean, giggling in Anderson terms isn't quite the same thing as most people. But you know what I mean. It's like there, there was a sense there that that England were not taking losing a test match seriously, and you know, you know they, they will push back at that, and uh, uh, you know they're entitled to. But there, there was a, just a suspicion that are they are they really are they really just taking us for a ride here? And then, of course, in the Ashes, uh, when they lose two tests, including again. Their own error in uh, Stokes' declaration. I think you know at the, the, the time I, I defended the logic, but I think hindsight does go to show that it was a it was a misjudgment, a bit like Root's reverse ramp. It was a misjudgment. Um, these things happen. You price them in, I suppose, but ultimately you get judged by results. And so, if you know you, you end up with, with all the all the stats analysts on Twitter who have basically been been pushed to the side a little bit by this basketball success because it has trumped every statistical objective opinion you could possibly hold about what's possible in test cricket, has been blown out the window. Now, suddenly you end up with a situation where England are, well, they're about eighth in the World Test rankings, World Test Championship because of their points deduction. But even without that, they'd be about fourth or fifth, I think. And people are saying, well, England are playing like fourth or fifth best team in the world. I mean, that's not good enough for the for the hubris they put in. And I suppose that that is the problem that England got. They, you know, on the one hand, they're trying to pretend that, that, that the results don't matter. And on the other hand, Clearly, results do matter because people will judge them by results, and so you don't you don't get the luxury of having it both ways. And then that, I think, is the dichotomy that England are now being forced to address the the very, as you mentioned there, the, the very real fact that they blew the Ashes, they blew a really good opportunity to compete in India. And as you say, most of this, most of the reason baseball is taken hold, is that this is an old generation of guys who've done it all before. We've got Johnny Bairstow's so hundredth test coming up. We had Stokes's last week. Roots obviously way into the weeds, and Anderson is way beyond them. And on the other side, you know, these guys have are doing this partly because they wanted to just have some fun at the end of their careers. Genuinely, I mean, that that's clearly does seem to be one of the main reasons. And it's as you say, if it's if it if they're not getting the results that looked like they they were headed towards with the, with the ethos they were holding, um, of course it's going to cause cause them to question the uh, the approach. And um, you know that that I suppose is is the inevitable. Downside, you know, a lot of people were waiting for this to fail, and now that it has failed to a degree, um, the pylon will be fairly substantial, I'd imagine.
1: Um, Of course, it is a first series defeat uh, for Stokes and McCullum in in eight. So, you know, uh, clearly uh, things have been going well. We and we've talked um, at length about how well they've gone. Um, No shame in losing to India in India but again as you as sort of Millers touched on there as you wrote last night um I think they've they've lost more than they've won since the start of 2023 um now um and clearly um some people will be judging them on those results um uh, Rob Key's probably the, the most important one at the moment um and and perhaps won't be uh, it's been an entertaining series but um yeah winnings the thing isn't it
2: yeah, yeah, and, and I suppose if you, you know, the, the start of all this um, was always set against, you know, that last, um, what, 18-month period from the start of 2021 when England were awful, and they were awful to watch as well. And that, that gave them mitigation, didn't it, to go into that 2022 summer with, you know, a, a bit of an altruistic streak where they were like, right, we're going to... um going to try and make it fun we're gonna change you know, test cricket at least i think they still specifically meant english cricket but you know again they lost that message as well but ultimately they were trying to yeah make it more fun for the players make it more fun for the fans and blah 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 and they could afford to do it then with all due respect to new zealand and south africa because it was New Zealand and South Africa, knowing that Australia was around the corner and that they and that that was always going to be the one that they would just naturally take seriously, as Miller said, you know that New Zealand game in uh, in Wellington was a bit absurd, but again, you can't you kind of gave them out. It wasn't in the part of the World Test Championship. It was a two test series, which you know pretty pointless anyway and a bit weird, and England dominated for you know from all but one of those days in that series and then you kind of come to here and I, I think a really instructive moment was the eve of the um I suppose the eve of the defeat as it were so that the penultimate evening because you know it, it really does sound like the players got back into the dressing room and were pretty cut up with how that day went because it everything flipped and they were as you know 152 runs was what was it at the um on that on that pitch on that final day Ten wickets in hand though, and they were staring down essentially the barrel of a series defeat and thinking, God, how like we've this is this is probably our fault, actually. You know, the opposition can play well, but this is our fault. And Stokes and McCullum picked them up and you know they were valiant on that final day. But ultimately there is um, you know, you kind of go forward, you look to the series in Sri Lanka and West Indies this summer, they've got New Zealand and Pakistan again in the winter, but then they got India again in 2024. Now obviously England's record against India. At home, you know, in England is pretty good. But, you know, the cycle comes again, doesn't it? And then it's Australia. So they really need to kind of... I I want to say ruthless, but Ben Stokes doesn't like that word. So I'm trying to think of another one. But essentially, they have to find a way of of making these moments count. Because I think it is, as Miller said at the start, they are blinking a bit, aren't they? Whenever they were in these real high-pressure moments, they are blinking, and it doesn't look like they're, you know, it doesn't look like they're running away, but they are doing some silly things, and it's costing them.
1: Let's look at some of the individual performances uh, from the test with a couple of standout narratives from an England perspective. Joe Root scored his first 100 in 15 innings, going back to the start of the Ashes. Before Shoaib Bashir became the second youngest man to take a Test five for for England, um, Miller, the the latter's probably more significant, but Root's return to form did appear to be vital, um, particularly given the noise around his dismissal in Rajkot.
0: It did, and you know, as I said in the last Test, I, I felt as though that was the innings that he should have produced when he didn't produce that innings, and you know, played played the played the reverse scoop that was out of out of kilter. It was. Again, I make a make a make a very important distinction between the the caution that England showed in the second innings of both those defeats and the and the the, the focus they showed in that in that rebuilding partnership with with Ben Folkes that that Root put together. And I think there's an absolutely fundamental difference between England slowing down on their terms and slowing down on India's terms. And in in both of those second innings, they were cautious and 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 completely cagey because they were panicking, essentially, internally. They did not know their best approach. Whereas it's quite clear, when Root came out in that session, whatever it was, 112 for five, Mm -hmm. with folks alongside him, a guy who, as as he himself has said, is not basketball, but he is a guy who will play, as England have always said about this mindset approach, you trust your game and we will trust you. And England, England's two least bas y players, for want one, for one of a better phrase, put together the partnership that fitted the moment. And it, it, they were quite right in assessing that the conditions had eased. We discovered that throughout the test, that it was such a weird pitch that that first morning, the wicked uh, sea movement, Akash Deep in particular, was getting just vanished. It was an opportunity to really bed in, really build the innings that, that England needed to produce to set up a test match that they should have won. So absolutely brilliant innings from Root. It was the right approach in the right circumstances, and it set England up for a right go at a, at a series-leveling victory. Um, and, you know, hindsight is, a, is, a, is an awfully frustrating thing at moments like this, especially for a team that, that claims not to focus on, on, on results. It's all about input, not output. But, you know, if, if, that, if that innings had come about in, from 100, 200 for two in the last test, and England had really ground their way to a position that, you know, on their terms... Could have got them level, definitely. You know, ifs and buts and maybe's, and, and there's no real point of going down drilling into them. But the fundamental thing is, it was his 31st Test century. It's quite clear he's a brilliant player. As we said previously, the all-out approach of Basball perhaps doesn't suit him as well as it suits other players, lesser talented players in the team. But he has bought into it, and this was this was not a deviation from that mindset. Or quite the contrary, it was a, it was a doubling down of the belief that this is the best way to win this match. And we have absolute conviction that this is the best way to win this match. And you didn't see that in that second innings meltdown.
1: Avish um, roots 219 balls. I think it took him uh, to get there the slowest of the Bazball era. I think the third slowest of his career. But as you wrote, it was uh, it was a Bazball innings in its essence. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. I suppose for the for the points that um, Miller outlayed there, because you know there was a consideration of where where the game was, where the were in it, and what was required to advance the game, and you know Root ticked all those boxes. And you know it's one of the punch. It's got to be one of the punchiest um, press conferences and set of media duties he's done recently. Um, you know, it, it, if anything, he wasn't punchy enough as a captain and. I think there's um I think there was a bit of anger um not necessarily unleashed in the innings itself, which was quite controlled, but certainly in um when he got a mic thrust in front of him three times or four times, whatever it was, um post play. Um there's still there's you kind of you know he's gonna be fine this summer, don't you? And that's that's kind of not the point, is it? Because you need someone like him. He was always the you know, he, he was always the um, equilibrium in the team because he can kind of, he was this own independent entity, wasn't he? Particularly during the, that last year as, as captain. But broadly, you know, when he started off with um, that 2022 summer, it was like, great, you know, he we can leave him to get on with it and we can sort everyone out. Now, the whole dynamic feels a little different in that I can't believe I'm going to say this, but England's best batter is Zach Crawley. England, England's most consistent batter since the start of last summer, in this, in, you know, in these two hallmark series, who has shown consistent sense of not just a, a, attacking belief, but also like situational awareness to the extent that he got bowled, didn't He he, got, he was four of sixteen when he got bowled in the first innings of this fourth test uh, by Akash Deep. And then he was 28 off then he scored 28 off the next 16 balls because he's like, Well, I'm I'm probably gonna get out now. So and yeah, and he just switched like that. He was outstanding in the second innings, and you can look at his you can look at his knocks and say, Well, you know, didn't convert to 100. It's like, well, yeah, no, he didn't, but he's he scored runs in difficult situations. And the point the point with uh, uh, the point I'm making with Crawley there is that that younger generation, that newer that newer group of um Players have stepped up now. When you see even little things like, and this is purely anecdotal, when you walk around the team hotel, there was a group that hang out together, and it's you know it's Crawley, it's Pope, uh, it's Robinson, it's um, you know Dan Lawrence, um, it's that core of you know twenty something player, and and, you know Duckett as well. Duckett is I think twenty nine, but you know it's that that twenty something core together, and then you've got you know. Besto, Root, Jimmy, Stokes, is, you know, hangs out a bit with everyone, you know, Wood and Anderson, a bit together. But the core is quite a young core, quite a new core. And it's it's basically becoming their team, as it should do. You know, th- this, it's just a natural life cycle. And I suppose because of that, you kind of think it, you, it can go two ways, can't it? Either then, because the dressing room culture is taking care of itself, you have someone like Root going, right, I can just focus just on me and then the flip side is oh but, but maybe there is a bit of a detachment there maybe there is a bit of like right well, how do i you know as as miller has said and as root said himself like how do i how do i fit into all this so i don't know like even even philosophically there is um there is something at play here which is going to be fascinating to watch over the over the coming two years really because naturally these players are going to be out. you know johnny is 34 ben stokes obviously you know he's captain of the whole thing but even he is at an age where I suppose his perspective on the game and what he wants from the game is going to change. Understandably, as it does do at that period of your career. So, yeah, it's a quite an int- we're at quite an interesting point of this 2.0 um basketball 2.0, I suppose. But um and I appreciate we're not actually into it yet. But I think it's going to be an interesting time for Root in particular because you know, truth be told, in quite um in quite a in quite a, um, in quite a good group in. A team that likes playing for each other. I think, I honestly think he should just go away and be as selfish as possible for for his remaining years because that's how they'll get the most from him.
1: Zach Crawley uh, has become consistent, and England has stopped winning tests. I think there's there's something in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, um, exactly. See, <laughs> um, in terms of uh, well, in terms of bringing the age profile of the dressing room down, also, um, deposing Root from from a preeminence he, I mean he's no longer the the um, the leading off spinner in the team Miller because uh, uh, Sha Bashir um, has had uh, a quite remarkable um, couple of tests I mean he, he impressed on debut but um, for in the first innings uh, of this game match figures of eight for 198 he now has more than half of his first-class wicket tally Um uh he's got 12 test wickets and I think um 22 Ten overall in uh, yeah, yeah um have coming tests um but uh, the signs from from this game is that he's going to be around that setup for for a good while
0: absolutely and and you know the, the the one thing that impressed above all else was his control just the just the absolute surety that he, he, he trotted in with a very measured run-up uses used his reach and just on the spot every time. Absolutely relentless length. It was, it was so measured. It was so controlled. It was, you know, there was no none of that slight terror you get with young spinners that there's going to be there's going to be a full bunger here or he's just going to drag his length down. He just was at him all the time. And you know, I thought he spoke incredibly well as well when he when he spoke was on the third evening and talking talking about his grandfather's fathers and all the rest of it. He just he just looks a mature option that England have, can just. Throw into the mix, although, as we've, as we've seen already, um, Brennan McCullum talking today to the Vision Co saying that, uh, you know, this now incumbent on the counties to play him because, you know, as you say, he's got an average of 67, 10 wickets for, for Somerset. Um, and Jack Leach is their premier spinner, uh, and uh, Nathan Lyon is the premier spinner up at Lancashire, where, where Hartley is going to fight to get, get into the side regularly. So, you know, I suppose again, it comes down to what, what, what counts as success for. For this England team, uh, results is success clearly, but just transforming the horizons of, of English cricket is another success. You know the the, the notion that and, and Rehan Ahmed as well, another another guy who's obviously not here now, but you know we were we were waxing about him at the end of the Pakistan tour. He hasn't had such a opportunity to make a real mark on this tour, but the same applies. It's like these guys have been cherry picked from a system that is not pushing them through naturally and they have landed in a team environment that has given them every belief that they belong. And that is an incredible indictment of what this team has achieved, regardless of results, regardless of anything else. I mean, you know, funnily enough, I was, I was watching the Carabao Cup the other night, and it's, 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 it's a very similar vibe, I think, with what's going on with, with Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp, and, and you know, on, on several levels as well, because fat priced into this belief in youth and this belief that our culture is better than your culture, there's a degree of sanctimoniousness, I think. People who don't like Liverpool or don't like England's basketball approach will look at all that nonsense of standing in front front of one end at Wembley and singing their song and giving it the big woohoo for the fourth-best trophy in the calendar. It's like, oh, come on, get over yourselves. You're not even the best team in the country. Just as England are not the best team in the world. They've been beaten well by by India. They didn't win the Ashes. What are you celebrating? And, you know, you can you can either you just celebrate the fact that this is something we are actually quite enjoying the ride of, or you get fixated on results and think, oh, well, fine, if we don't win World Test Championship, has it been worth it? Of course it's been worth it. It's been bloody good. And Sher Bashir, to go back to your original point, is a manifestation of that. He's a guy who is, you know, again, we, we, we haven't even touched on the ICEC implications and all the other factors that are that are riding in the background of English cricket but if you think of the the, the distinct lack of opportunity a for spinners but B for Asian spinners in English cricket in every circumstance that we've got and now suddenly you see not just two of them and and Tom Hartley coming through as well as a third spinner who really looks like a real prospect for the future it's it just goes it cuts the cuts the issues that 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 English cricket had before Basball came along. Uh, you know, harking back to the end of the Ashes, that dismal Ashes that we all watched and thought, when will this ever end? You thought there's absolutely no hope for English cricket, and now you do believe there's hope because the this team has injected hope. You know, and so it's it's all objective. What what is the best England team? It's a bit like you know the debate about is the 2010 11. England team that got to number one better than the 2005 team that won the Ashes. I don't think it's even closer to the 2005 team. What which, which which made you think, which made you believe was the best um, team you've watched in recent times? This team, people who have got who've been along on the ride in this, will have been, been invested in the emotions that have been brought out by the journey to a greater degree than I believe would have been brought out by England being ruthlessly good in that 2010-11 period. And, you know, the very fact that we, you know, you can have a 19, 20 year old spinner coming in and looking the part and just thinking, you know what, I've got Ben Stokes and Joe Root here trusting me to try and win a test match. I mean, that's pretty awesome. And that's got to count for something.
1: It's, it's not about the destination, it's the journey. It's sort of the print it on a tea towel um, message <laughs> that you kind of expect Brendan McCullum to come out with at some point. Fish, um, with your football ramble hat on, what
2: does Jurgen Klopp think of baseball? I think he'd love it. I think he'd love it. I think he, you know, it's, Jürgen, I think there are very similar uh, quotes that Jürgen Klopp and McCullum have come out with in terms of, you know, life's short, want to have a bit of fun, essentially. I want to enjoy the things you're doing, why not give people joy, that kind of stuff. And I think that's the, You can't, you know, they talk about it with the players as well, and I think, you know, the players have fun. And maybe it's because I think batting's fun and bowling's rubbish, but you know batting <laughs> always seems fun to me, especially when you're trying to you know chin the red off the ball. Um, but it, it was weird watching two two English spinners having fun in India. You mm-hmm. know the first day since uh, Swan and Panesar. But you know this whole thing of like no one gave them hope. But it's like, well, yeah, like they didn't really. You know, in any other environment, in any other situation, in any other England team. Tom Hartley and Shoah Bashir and Rahan Armand are in the team, and we're kind of looking at them thinking, who are these clowns? And it's only in this environment that they've been able to show the talent that they have. Like, bear in mind, like, Sherry Bashir as well. He has been through every, more or less every part of the system that you need to to get into county cricket. He was in the the academy at Surrey. He had age group, he played age group games for Middlesex. He, um, Mm. you know... Went through at Berkshire as well, so he's done the national county setup as well. Um, played second team, got in through there, like with with Somerset. And every like at no point in that, in, you know, in those steps, were people like, "Hey, this kid's got something." It was actually the opposite. They were like, "Actually, no, this this kid isn't worth the hassle." And it's not so much, a, you know, it, it's not so much a criticism of then as it is, you know, arguably the biggest achievement that Stokes McCullum have had with regards to drawing talent out of players and, you know, I suppose raising their ceiling is being able to do that with with two spinners in Hartley and, um, and Schaub who kind of know, like, you know, what were they really before before this tour? They're going back to their counties. You know, Miller mentioned the piece we did on McCullum today about um, wanting them to bowl more in the county championship. It's kind of, I feel a bit for the counties here because... You know they left last, you know last winter, and they're coming back. And you know, even like, oh, by the way, he's a test quality spinner, and he's a test quality spinner. I know that wasn't the case before, but they are look after them accordingly. <laughs> and you know, may, and in six months, you know, that we'll hand them a contract and we'll take them off, basically take them off your hands. But by the way, here's, here's what we've done for you. Is that it's like kind of, I don't know, like giving your flat up for Airbnb and then coming back and finding it's a house. Like <laughs> what, what the hell is this? You don't really know what to do with it. You're glad for it, but. Yeah, it's remarkable. And, yeah, just to reiterate, I think it's, it's probably the biggest accomplishment of, um, of this particular era, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, and Vish wrote a very good piece about uh, England and and Ben Stokes' handling of, of uh, the spinners on this tour, uh, which is on the site. Uh, Tom Hartley is the leading wicket-taker in the series now. Um, I mean, uh, well, the... Uh, the third innings of the, the, the you know England's collapse, uh, slow motion collapse of the bat was kind of um, the culprit here. You always thought England needed a bit more, a few more than you know. 190 w- was within India's sort of wheelhouse, particularly with um, the fact that I think Hartley had bowled seven times or something in in a fourth innings um, before uh, before this game, and Bashir had done it once. Uh, for Somerset when Surrey knocked off 29 to win at Taunton <laughs> last summer and he bowled two overs um, so there was an awful lot on those two young shoulders um, and it's credit again to, to them and and to Stokes that they did make a game of it with that you know uh, knocking over five um, big India wickets at either side of lunch uh, and, and I think they needed 72 to win at that point. You know, there was still a glimmer. There was a shot there. Uh, Obviously the door was closed on them, but um, uh, they gave it. I I mean, I kind of expected after India had gone in 40 for none uh, to wake up and it all be over, you know, by lunch the next morning, but they really gave it a crack.
0: They gave it a great crack. I mean, they, they, they surpassed expectations, I think on that final day, given, given as as Vish says, the the bleakness with which they had uh, faced the the close on the third day. Um, You know, you know, we praise Stokes an awful lot for his captaincy and particularly the way he he held it together on that final day with the spinners and imbuing them with the with the with the belief. You know, they saw him talking to them before play and clearly just getting their mindset right. Mindset again, it's absolutely fundamental. But I do think I do think Stokes is a little bit culpable in 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 the way in which this one unraveled. And you know, it's it's a minor minor detail, I suppose, in the grander scheme of what he's achieved. But I felt. With the bat in particular, um, I thought his innings epitomised the lack of belief that England was suddenly imbued with. And then that that little period you mentioned there, getting forty to forty for none at the close, when he decided to open with Root and Hartley, and it was a bad decision. But because of the way that England are programmed in the baseball era, he couldn't just yank them. He couldn't just say to Hartley, "Sorry, mate, that was a bad call. You're off now." He was kind of obliged, as he was in that very first test at Hyderabad. I've got to back him now. I picked this guy to bowl the opening burst on this first evening, on this on this crucial evening, six or seven overs or whatever it was, and he's blowing it. He's bowling full tosses and he's getting pumped away for through the leg side. But I've got to keep bowling him. He should have bowled James Anderson. He should have just given a chance for England's greatest seamer to just lay a bit of a little, little bit of a marker. Even if he didn't get a wicket, he wouldn't have gone for many runs. And then suddenly you're defending more runs there. But it was with the bat. I mean, Vish was talking earlier about, you know, Zach Crawley's approach to surviving that, that, that no, no ball bold and then teeing off. Stokes's innings, he was so jammy, so jammy. You know, the balls that were missing his off stump, missing his leg stump, LBWs that would have been out. And, you know, he, he might even have survived on, on, on non call if he hadn't been bowled by the one that got him. You know, he, he didn't have a good innings there and he died in a hole in a way that absolutely no one else in that team was programmed to. Uh, Johnny Bairstow played a rank shot straight after lunch. And again, that 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 inning that, that shot, to me, telegraphed the the indecision that was clearly imbuing England at that point. It's like Bairstow in full baseball mode, you know, as, as Stokes said to him at, at Treadbridge, don't you dare hit this down, hit it up out of the stand, just lump it. He did neither. He sort of poked loosely, oh, it's wide, should I go for it, should I not, and pokes it straight to cover. It was that, that being caught in two minds thing was fundamental to the reason that England failed there, in my opinion. And so, you know, you, you hear people saying Basball's failed, or does Bazemore need a tweak, does Bazemore this, does Bazemore that. I don't think it failed so much as, you know, you can't tweak belief. If you tweak belief, you're getting doubt, essentially. If you don't believe full-heartedly that you can do this, and you, you, you allow a little glimmer in, what you end up with is being caught in two minds. And I felt that's what Stokes was in his innings. I felt that's what he was when he... When he couldn't yank Hartley out of the attack in the evening session, I felt that's what happened the best as well. Uh, it's it's so difficult, you know. Again, coming back to what is Basball, England, as I've said before, have never bought into the word, which I think actually is is a mistake from from uh, a PR point of view. It's a bit, you know, it's baseball's has become a bit like they like pie, you know. What is what is pi? Pi is 3.14159265, bloody blah. But you don't end up saying that endlessly. This is looking confused here. But no, my point is, what is baseball? Basbol is the approach that England took in the, in June 2022 when Brendan Stokes and, and, and Bas and McCollum came together as captain coach. They started attacking with with attacking fields and going for hell for leather, but defending at appropriate moments, and they suddenly transformed the team that had been one win from 17. You can't say that every time you want to talk about what this team is. You've got to, have a, got to have a shortcut. You've got to use the word. If you don't use it, other people are going to use it for you. And so England have said, oh, we don't ascribe to that. You know, It's a bit like saying, oh, we don't ascribe to Schadenfreude because it, 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 it's a German word and we don't speak German. And sorry, mate, everyone else is using that word to describe where we're at with England now. So you, know, you, you better, better get used to the meaning of it if you don't get used to the meaning of it, you can't help to define it, and so you know, I, I the amount of gleeful jumping on the back of England's failure here. I think England have been complicit in that because you know I haven't even touched on Ollie Robinson's hubris and the nonsense that, that he's brought to the table with with the, the chat he's you know we've had it in the ashes as well, but you know the the the, the off the pitch. Angle of the saving test cricket and all the other things that have come into it. The sanctimony essentially has has been a real factor in the downturn here. And so, you know, it, it, it gets it gets it gets complicated when you try to analyse the, the what what's left after a defeat like this because you know there's so much good and so much desire to beat it down because because of um, the the aspects that, that that rub people up the wrong way, I suppose. Uh,
1: that from the man who gave us the term uh, <laughs> England uh, should have been listening and paying attention. Sure. Um, I, I and you've um, you've touched on something there that uh, that I wanted to come to, and uh, that's Ollie Robinson and England's selection um, vision. They've generally been pretty good at, uh, at making those calls, um, and and on this tour they talked about you know what what the pitches would be like. They've been open minded. Um, and, and quite adaptable. but uh, I mean the selection of Robinson, a guy uh, who hadn't played uh, you know a, a game since um, July uh, in, in the ashes. Um, he bowled 13 overs in the match, um, wasn't used at all in the fourth innings, dropped uh, a pretty important chance in retrospect it, it, you know it sort of flashed by our eyes at the time, Dr on 59 I think. Uh, but those were crucial extra runs. Um, I mean, did, was that one that England just plainly
2: got wrong? I mean, they got it wrong because of the f- performance that Ollie Robinson put in. But to be honest, it made perfect sense leading up to it. Um, when you consider that every change that they've made has been, you know. Up until the last minute, they've waited to really judge a pitch, and then they, then they go with their eleven, and it's resulted in, you know, players coming in and out. Shoaib Bashir coming in for the second test, then coming out, and go, them going with two seamers in that third test. And but generally, everyone that they that they've put into a game have, has, you know, ended up making a difference, a positive difference, I suppose. And so it made perfect sense that Robinson would, would come in here um, alongside Anderson when they realised what they wanted was, on that pitch, consistency. Mark Wood, the, Mark Wood was too tired, but Robinson lands it on length, the release point as well, which was something that was talked up, you know, in the build-up. In that, it, you know, exacerbates the um, erratic bounce. Um and also, that he's an incredibly skillful bowler. You know, this isn't this isn't a showy Bashir type seamer situation here. This is a guy who is supposed to take the mantle from Stuart Broad, who was basically taking he was almost taking it off Stuart Broad at one point. You know, when you look across like tw- the 21-22 uh, winter, but it just yeah, it just didn't work out. He batted well. He scored a fifty, and within that fifty, he tweaked his back. And then as a result of that was nowhere near the pace needed to trouble, you know, India's batters. Um, it was quite damning, actually, when he took a couple of those edges off um Jaya and they just didn't carry. And it was like, ooh, you're kind of looking at the slips and keeper there being like, oh, God, you know, stand a bit closer, but oh God, how close can you stand, really? Um, and then well, because he of that, he's pushing right lines. Down some, down the that's, uh,
1: that's the one. The well, one, I mean, that's, no. that's
2: the only thing he didn't do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it was uh, it was a really difficult time for him. And it, it, you know what? He, he's he's been honest about this before, but he's someone who needs overs. Um, he what he you know didn't perform well during the Ashes, but actually did okay on balance of numbers because a couple of wickets picked up here and there. Um, he wanted to play the Ireland Test, but then he couldn't because of uh, a foot issue, if, if I remember correctly. Mm. And then there was, but but then you come into this, and you know it's as much as I said that you know England. You know, England weren't picking someone who um, is a is a no hoper They're picking they're picking someone who's got an exceptional record already. They would know that about Robinson that he needs a running start, that he needs to kind of get some overs under his belt. And you kind of wonder if they they should have done something about that because you know obviously he would have done all the prep with the with the test team in the UAE and then come out here. But when you know he's not playing that second test and there's a Lions game going on in Ahmedabad, could he have played that? every chance um and it's obviously easier for me to say that in hindsight but this is something we knew of robinson that he needs overs under his belt he needs to be he needs to really grow into into games into series doesn't he so that's you know you you feel like the fault lies on both sides there um and i suppose the only thing that matters is robinson because i don't want to say it's becoming a habit but you know the reason Headingley was his last competitive match is because he, you know, he had, to, he had to kind of pull up in the middle of that game. It was a reason that Stokes didn't pick him in his first squad for New Zealand because he pulled up in um, that weird series in the Caribbean, you know, between the, the two eras mm. just before Joe Root stepped down where they felt like, why right, you need to get fit because you're ultimately letting your side down here. And it's hard to you know, it's it's hard to square this one and, and it's gonna it'll be something that'll be that'll be used against him. And yeah, he didn't even mention the ashes and um you know John Lewis coming out and openly um laying into him for a lack of fitness. And this is just something else that slots in there. But I, I suppose the worrying thing is you could always see the redemption further down the line because he is so good. He's, he's so skillful, and because you have that, you know, within those bits, you had the return to the UK where his record is exceptional. And you know, next to Jimmy, he's one of the best at making use of that of, of those conditions in his favor. And now you're not so sure, are you? Because it is a tight knit group, because it is about you know doing this all in together. And people arrived with you know having done their own separate work uh, behind the scenes and getting incredibly fit, including Robinson, actually. And now they leave it and they're kind of wondering, you know, they're leaving. You wonder if the overriding takeaways from this trip would be God, who really wanted it? Who really stepped up? And what can we, you know, what more can we do there? And I don't know that they'd be able to say that about Robinson. Yeah, at the same time, McCullum was quite diplomatic today, saying that they need to get around him, that it was unfortunate and stuff like that. But I suppose part of being ruthless is being able to turn to a guy who is as experienced as Robinson and as talented and be like, look, come on, we need, we, we need a lot more here.
1: Um, and worth pointing out, I suppose that if England had uh, decided to go in with three spinners again, um, they might've been forced to pick Holly Robinson on the morning of the test because Ray and Ahmed went home for personal reasons. Yeah. Um, and there aren't too many other options left in the squad. There is one more test, of course, a uh, chance to um, force some of that redemption. Um, just a final word on this one, Miller. I mean, it's going to go down as a as a what if uh, one that got away for England, but it it was a bit of a classic. Um, England 112 for five, uh, resurrecting the innings to 353. India 177 for seven and seemingly gone for all money. It made it 307 all out. England 110 for three. Crawley batting nicely, 160 to the good. Um, and seven wickets standing, all out for hundred and thirty uh, 145. and then India in that chase eighty four for none, one hundred and twenty for five, and and suddenly all in the balance again. I mean, it, it was a memorable game.
0: It was, I mean, absolutely, and you know we have we haven't given India enough credit, I think, for for the performances they put in. Particularly, I mean, you mentioned Drew earlier on, but his innings, that first innings was exceptional. Second innings was was. In some ways, even better, in my opinion, just because of that 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 jeopardy of the of the chase and and the, the composure he he showed immediately immediately after seeing off the hat trick ball with a with a slightly tentative push he was like right I need to be firm here and my, his footwork was superb he was just nudging singles everywhere whereas previously there've been you know England had dried him up with one one two run overs for. for, for in perpetuity suddenly it was four five and over because he was just finding the gaps everywhere and Shumman Gill grew into the game as well. Uh he just looks like a real find. He 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 he, uh, Ben Ben folks has got a man crush on his keeping as well. So you know he's he's got he's got it all got it all going on. And it just just goes to show that you know the 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 extent of India's um reach and, and ability the amount of players that they can just tap into um not not simply because you know, because of the IPL, but the fact is, I suppose the IPL, its existence has has, has fast tracked the extent to which players recognise that you know what I'm going to make a career of this. I mean, Drew apparently uh, his father didn't even know he was trying to be a cricketer. He's like there was really really an anecdote saying that you know he looked at the, his his dad looked at the table, Oh, look, there's a cricketer here. He's got your name, and that was him. And he didn't admit to his dad. So you know, this is this I suppose is, is what would previously have happened is that you know. Parents would say to the the kids, "Sorry, I don't want you to be. Don't want to play cricket." And now suddenly, there's a clear career path for playing cricket with the IPL riches, and as a consequence, you're getting players who are just coming through endlessly, and they've already had the great stories of you know the Jaiswal and Co and Safras, you know, working working their way through Mumbai Madans and all, and coming out the other end. Uh, Safras' little brother, 18 years old, got 200 not out for Mumbai the other day. I mean. it's a, it, there, are, there's so much talent, it's, it's hardly a secret, is it? But, um, you know, they that talent came together in, in, in quite a special way, I think, for India in this test, to be perfectly honest. You know, between Ashwin uh, leading the line with the ball, probably for the first time in the series, really taking control, and uh, Jadeja and Kuldeep playing their part, and and um, Rohit calling the shots, getting important 50 in that chase, and um, and you know, just being the senior pro in a way that. You know, in the absence of Kohli and and KL Rahul and other other guys like that, it probably exacerbates the extent to which it's his team now. To, in many ways, you know, we've had that with with England teams in the past when when the great players get peeled away, and and suddenly you end up with you know a, a younger core built around a, a, a towering leader, and, and 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 great things can happen. And so that's kind of kind of the narrative from an Indian perspective, but from an England perspective, I still can't get over the fact that you know. They will know that they blew it. They they blew a real chance to be in the series. And again, they were always set up to blow it. That that is part of the part of the mystique of of, of their uh, their approach is that they are willing to blow it. They're willing to risk losing in order to win. They were willing to win this three two rather than go for five 0 by in a, in a in a in a mythical manner that doesn't exist. They did. They aren't good enough to win five 0 by bulldozing in the way that India bulldozed them out of this game. That's the fundamental. If they are to win against the head, they have to do produce something exceptional in the way that Ollie Pope produced something exceptional in that Hyderabad test. England just fell short of that exceptional performance in, in the latter half of the series, and, and that's why they've, they've fallen away.
1: Now then, with the WPL in full swing, time for us to remind you to check out our new women's cricket podcast, ESPN Power Powerplay. You can find the first episode featuring an exclusive interview with Nat Siverbrunt on the SwitchIt feed. And also search for PowerPlay to subscribe via your preferred pod provider. Uh, next week's show will be a special one to mark International Women's Day. Back to Ben and his men, then final thoughts from here. The forecast Vish um, for Durham Sharla on Thursday week is a promising uh, high of one degree centigrade and um, 70% chance of sleet showers which is one way to get in the mood for the return of the county championship in about six weeks.
2: Oh, that's a good point, actually, yeah. That was quite stark, seeing all those media invites for pre-season um, <laughs> media collection days dropping in, in the inbox. I know, yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be cold. You know what? Oh, uh, can they? Yeah, it depends if Robinson pulls will Just play four seamers. Just why don't you use this as a you know, little taster for the start start of the summer? Just yeah, four seamers, Root and Bowl a bit, Thanks for shooting, Hartley, but off you pop. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating dynamic. I think I wouldn't be surprised if England lose this badly because I just, no, no, g- generally, because I I think, you know, just being around the team hotel this morning, um, you kind of understand that it, it's even though, you know, even with their their mid-series break and the fact that they, you know, um, golf is going to Bangalore now and the, the Non golfers, very few of them, including Stokes, now um, are going to Chandigarh. they are watching Dune, they're watching Dune 2 tomorrow, so that's something, right? Um, but they, you know, you kind of get the impression that the series is done now. I know they're gonna, you know, they've got pride to play for. A lot of people wouldn't want to come out of this with something, certainly. Johnny Best, though, it'll be his the test, but um, McCullum confirmed that he will play and that will that will happen, so that's that's nice. But you kind of wonder if like they've they've given so much. They've given so much already. And it would be excusable if they, you know, ended up just just falling apart over there. Falling apart in a in a very different way where you're not scratching your head at the end of the series thinking, geez, where do we even go from here? You know exactly where they go from here, which you know I suppose might be something. But yeah, it's um it's interesting. I don't know if Gas Atkinson's gonna get a go, but you know, Jimmy on the cusp of 700 as well. And you'd you think Mark Wood comes back in. Um, and now I feel like I've talked myself into thinking, actually, there is a lot on this. You know, personal, <laughs> personal milestones for players who've been around for for ages, who've basically carried the team on its on their backs at various points. So, um, yeah, actually, maybe England will win. Who knows?
0: <laughs> I mean, um, it's, it's, it's interesting, though, isn't it? 4-1 would feel, I think, would feel an injustice. But... Uh, I, I think we do have a precedent for this. Um, it was mentioned, uh, we are talking about it during the Ball World commentary, this one, that uh, the 2018 India Tour of England had a very similar vibe. The 4-1 did not remotely reflect the competitive nature of that series. The classic confrontation between uh, Jimmy and, and 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 Coley at uh, Edgebaston. say that England got through and then uh, an absolute spanking defeat for India at Lords that was just England dominating their own conditions. It didn't really... Mean much, and then I think India spanked England at Trent Bridge, uh, and then fall away, and suddenly it's like four-one really, Um and it feels a little bit like this in that England have England have been brawling for key moments and have just been pushed off the ball because India fundamentally are in their own conditions and will, when push comes to shove, more often than not dominate them, and so uh, we do at least have have a, have a precedent for, uh, I suppose, a moral victory that India took out of that four-one. 4-1 winning in 2018, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure they would uh, they look back with more fondness than um, than, than Sam Curran's endless interventions uh, would normally allow them to. Um, but no, I, I think it's been it's been a it's been a fun series. Let's face it. Whatever happens in this final test, you can't say you haven't been entertained. Which I suppose is part one of the one of the other underlying factors of of the way England have gone about their cricket of late. Uh, and it's been, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's been really high, high quality cricket uh, and, and the better team have, have come out on top.
1: Uh, that series uh, four, five, six years ago now. Uh, I mean, that was when James Anderson went past Clem McGrath as the, uh, the uh, leading um, wicket taker, fast bowler in, in Test history. I think with the final wicket of the summer, uh, obviously Alistair Cook's retirement as well. Jim, James Anderson's still going uh, on this tour, uh, and, and as Vish has mentioned, he's two away from 700. I mean, it will, it will feel a bit anticlimactic, uh, Vish, if he, if he nibbles out a couple uh, uh, under damp skies <laughs> in Daryl And, uh, you know, that's that in, a, in essentially a, a game that, that doesn't count for anything.
2: You mean that he's not going to beat the Cloderson <laughs> accusations? <laughs> on the, you know, the foothills of Davashala, Yeah, it's quite. It's been quite interesting actually because I, I think if you if you can kind of get through the the noise on social media from you know the usual trolls, um, and then also the kind of you know uh, like bombastic headlines and pronouncements from ex pros. There's a lot of respect for what England have done in parts during this series, and Anderson is an is Anderson is someone who, you know, he's there's like a, a middle group of sensible cricket fan who who you know in a place like India is actually the majority, and there's so much admiration for the fact that he's a on this tour and b what he's done on this tour. I appreciate like he's not taking a lot of wickets, but his control and the way he's been he's been able to. Not simply hold up an end, but also threaten as well, because that's that's a prerequisite of being in this bowling attack. Um, right down to the fact that you know he took an exceptional capture that final day, you know, 41 years old. It's crazy. <laughs> um but and he's um, gonna play four tests
1: from
2: the of it. And, and that as well, yeah. Yeah, like he's got so he was he had a tight quad, which is why he didn't come out for from lunch onwards um on that final day. But I don't know, maybe there. but maybe there's something quite I don't know. Maybe we, we come full circle if Anderson takes it in, takes that wicket in India because so much of the accusations against him have been not doing it overseas, not doing it um, in India, not doing it in Australia. And then you look at his records in those countries recently, and they're exceptional. So, you know, maybe it would actually be a good thing, and it'd be a nice way of um, of signing off this tour. Obviously, in victory as well. Otherwise, I think he, I think he'd hate that even more. Actually, taking his 700th in England, not winning, but. Yeah, something to look forward to.
1: Okay, well, we'll we'll hope that it's not just a a Baz blowout. Um, And we will be back to uh, preview that test. Uh, We'll we'll talk about Bazball 2.0. For now, I think that will do. Bazball has suffered its first puncture, and we might soon find out if it was all hot air in the first place. The series has been lost, but there's pride to play for, and a few rounds of golf to squeeze in. We'll be back to preview Daramshala, um, but until then, my thanks to Miller Anvish and to you all for tuning in to the Switcher podcast on
2: ESPNcricinfo.com.